Welcome once more to Future Thinking with me, Chris Slowly. Regular listeners will be familiar with the format by now, but new recruits can look forward to a discussion with an expert fund manager or left-field personality talking about topics that will shape the world ahead. This week, we're focusing on one of the fastest-growing areas of the entertainment world, eSports. With the pandemic providing a perfect platform for homebound gamers to expand their skills, we will look at how the world of competitive computer gaming has gone from a fringe pursuit to a real money spinner. Joining me to discuss this is someone who's focused on finding investment opportunities in this area, Kyrian LeMay of De Groove Petercam. As you will hear, Kyrian looks to unearth so-called new gems from across many innovative sectors with esports forming one such investment idea. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Future Thinking with me, Chris Soli. My guest today is Kyrian LeMay of De Groove Petercam, who runs their new gems sustainable equity fund. So thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So one thing we are keen to talk about and which is sort of, in my eyes at least, come from nowhere to be a huge presence is esports. We've seen a huge growth over the past few years. We've seen it move from what I'd consider a fringe topic to being, uh, I don't know if it's the same for you in Belgium, but here in the UK, it's actually broadcast on Sky Sports now occasionally, which shows the level that it has broken through. So without asking a very blindly obvious question, how big is it and how big could it get? Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, the key question, actually. Uh, just first of all, um, esports, or let's say competitive gaming, has been around for decades. So it's, it's not nothing new or anything, uh, but it has gotten uh, real big in terms of dollar values in, in the past couple of years. So um, the real esports revenues is about, let's say, around the 1 billion, growing more than double digit. Um, so it's, it's not that massive, I would say. But it is extremely important in the gaming world. Uh, maybe not in terms of direct revenues from esports, you know, the advertisers, the competition itself, but in terms of the value it brings for gaming companies, in terms of uh, the longevity of a game that you can actually uh, massively expand by doing esports. That's why it's, it's actually super important. But in terms of direct revenues, it's big, but it's not that big. Definitely not if you consider the... Uh, massive size of companies like like Tencent, um, Activision, things like that. It is a very small percentage of their revenues, but it's increasingly uh, important in terms of, um, you know, their games and, and prolonging the life of their games and in terms of overall revenues is actually quite important here. Well, that's what I was going to say. It seems it's as much a visibility thing as it is an actual profit generation, because as I mentioned, it is being broadcast on television. It's talked about a lot. We've seen a number of companies launch esports specific ETFs or products in some regards. And like you said, it's not the most it's not the deepest market to be active in because there are a number of companies. But as you said, they tend to be smaller elements of big companies rather than unless I've misunderstood, unless there are pure plays in the esports field at the moment but there are uh, a couple of companies here and there and, and smaller companies as well that are more direct plays um, but the question is do you want to have the direct uh, exposure to to pure plays in esports in the sense that um, these are also uh, events you know and and um, is it not better to own the ip behind it um, and, and a company like Tencent, for instance, is there across the entire value chain, meaning from owning the IP to uh, owning part or, or joint ventures on the actual organizing of events to the actual live streaming, because don't forget you got live streaming platforms 
uh, Huya, do you Twitch of Amazon, things like that. So there's a there's a whole value chain in esports, and the question is where do you want to position yourself on that value chain? Where do you want to actually be? Um, and and for the moment we are more uh, we ourselves at the group Pitekam we are more positioned across across the value chain and not. Uh, pure plays because these are typically also smaller companies. Uh, I'm just thinking about more to be the gaming companies themselves. Um, and and just to give you a bit of a, a background be, behind that, because today there are still not or still people that don't really grasp the the massive the massiveness of it all. Because um, you know a, a game like Fortnite got more than 300 million uh, players. I don't know the exact number on top of my head, but it's no, I know it's more than 300 million. There's about 250 million soccer players worldwide, just to put that into context. So there's a, there are games with a massive amount of audience, and that's the kind of games I think you want to have exposure, with, uh, exposure to. Um, and all of these people, they also want to see their, the, best, the best guy play, you know? Um, and, and, you know, the Fortnite uh, World Cup, for instance, uh, was won by by a guy called I'm not sure if I pronounce it well, uh, Kylie Gearsdorf, I think, uh, which is his name is actually Booga in the game. The guy won three million dollars. Again, he's 16 years old. 16 years old. Uh, that said, it was played in the same stadium as the U.S. Open, and uh, I think it was Rafael Nadal that also won the U.S. Open. He got 3.8 million dollars, and in terms of viewership, it almost exactly the same as well. So this has already be become really big business, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's become a huge business because I think that's what, what drew me to it slightly. And it was mainly being just pulled in by numbers because you do see these headlines of the number of players and the money available. And the fact that also as somebody who just turned 35, you feel incredibly old because a lot of these people winning it <laughs> at 16, 17, 18. But yeah, yeah. what I was going to say, Quinlan, is that it seems like it, and I've tried as much as possible not to make this podcast purely about millennials and Generation Y. It, this seems to be a Generation Z theme. So this seems like it is, or have yeah. I misunderstood, or is esports across demographics, or is it purely for sort of the younger generations? Um, uh, I think it's across uh, demographics. I think the, the gaming um, population, you know, there's about, um, I think, 2.4 billion gamers. That's about one third of the world population. So it cannot just be uh, young people. Um, maybe in terms of esports, it will be more, much more skewed than the overall gaming population, much more skewed towards younger people, uh, given that a lot of it is, is, is live streaming and things like that. And that might be more skewed, but the gaming population uh, is a growing population. Um, that's also because well, first of all, it's mainly in the past couple of years or the past decade, it's mainly the rise of, of mobile. But I think also it's not just uh, all the time new people, the youngest of people that are that are joining uh, the gaming population, but it's also the older ones that keep on playing. I got friends who are 40 years old and keep playing games. So I think it's, it's a cross. How much, if at all, do you think the pandemic also led to an increase in this because I know there was a lot of people I've, I've got friends who were furloughed here in the UK they were put onto and the ones that don't have kids 
found new ways to fill the time. One of them, I remember, downloaded, I don't know if you have it there, he downloaded Football Manager, and I think he ended up clocking in sort of working week hours on it. He was doing sort of 40, 50 hours a week just playing at this. How much do you think people were drawn to doing more with computer games in general during the pandemic? Well, just to be clear, Football Manager, I used to play a lot as well when I was young. Um, that was then the championship manager uh, called, I think, at the time, and it was 97, 98 that I still played, so a very long time ago. Uh, but uh, the pandemic was definitely uh, very beneficial to, to the gaming uh, community in general, um, not in terms of, uh, not just in terms of time spent, but also in terms of number plays, new people finding their way. It's also been one of the few ways to um, keep in terms of keep, keep social contact with a lot of friends um, or one of the ways you can keep social contact because games are also increasingly uh, social or played in terms of teams. Um, you know, when I used to play games, there wasn't a lot of online games. There were a few, but um, there were not that many. And that has become actually a very dominant factor. Um, so it, it's been very beneficial. And that's a bit one of the worries that uh, investors and gaming companies have is that once um, this pandemic is over, you will get very tough comps. Um, I think that's a, that's a, a valid point, uh, but we are long-term investors and we think long-term. And so uh, I think we can, we, can sit that, we can sit that out or go through that. So, because that sounds very similar to, I know Netflix had to, to build into their figures the fact that they probably had the biggest spike they'll ever have because people they had a captive audience and i think gaming probably went through a similar phase and it's now how much retention they can have in that regard yeah exactly uh and, and but I, again uh comps are are a bit of a short-term view and and by by coincidence we actually own netflix as well in in, in the fund um so i i am very positive on netflix as well and um and and there's a similar factors as well now that you Think about it because uh, there are gaming companies that have actually recently uh, increased the pricing of a game, triple uh, A rated games that is, to, to uh, I think 70 euros and above. Um, and that is something that I think uh, Netflix has as well. It's a immense pricing power going forward. I mean, uh, I do think there is some price sensitivity on the, on the lower end, but I think there are many people that really don't care if you pay $15 or $17 or even $20 given the massive amount of content that you have. Just as the fact that there are many gamers that want those AAA games, that want those really good games. And they, they, they're, they, they are okay paying a bit more of it, but there is obviously price sensitivity. But um, there are some similar factors, and both of them are also the fact that you have an increasing um, amount of people um, playing games and increasing amount of people uh, finding their ways to live streaming uh, content like Netflix. Circling back to the first question slightly, Karun, with that, with the growth and the more people coming in, do you have any projections of how big it could get? Because like you said, it's still, I mean, in relative terms, it's not a massive industry compared to other things. But do you think it could become comparable to, I mean, you use the example of it being played on the scale of tennis in terms of both the money and the, the venue and the, the eyeballs that were on it. Do you think it can yep. become much more established and much more profitable in that sense? Um, yes, the short answer is yes. Um, the long answer is that I don't have uh, a crystal ball to know how much it is. I think the current projections are something about 1.5 billion by 2023. But the question is, what do you take into that? And, and what 
how do you define esports? Because, like I said in the beginning as well, it's so much broader than just direct revenues from tickets, for instance, to go watch the stadium or or sponsorship deals. And by the way, sponsorship deals are uh, increasing massively every year. Uh, so um, it's all um, a bit hard to predict. Do I think um, it will be a much bigger business in a couple of years? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm not into giving exact numbers or anything. I don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. But I do think that there are still many people that don't uh, really understand or feel or really grasp the, 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 the massiveness of this. And, you know, there's a lots of uh, adjacent areas that are also developing. Just think about uh, AR and VR and, and what they're calling the metaverse now. And, and you know, you got Roblox coming to, to, the, to the market now as well, which aren't really esports, but I call them adjacencies in, in the gaming that, that could actually be, be massive businesses and could be, could be very big, uh, again, without uh, estimating or, or telling you oh, it will be this or that big. Thinking aloud, because one thing that you've looked at in your fund and that is quite fundamental is sustainability. And esports, I mean, we've we've had this conversation for a few months about the actual the the environmental impact, for example, of Bitcoin. And I know these are two different things, and I'm not trying to be sort of an old man about just conflating Bitcoin and esports, but it ultimately runs on huge amounts of energy and a large server capacity. Has there been any work that you're aware of or should be aware of about sustainability within esports? Um, well, there's esports and there's gaming in general, because, for instance, on, on gaming in general, you could already uh, ask yourself the question, is it sustainable um, or, or does it actually positively contribute to society? Um, and, and we take a, um, because we, like you said, we manage sustainable funds. So we take a neutral view on that, actually, uh, because, you know, you've got definitely problems like addictiveness. Um, but and, and on the other hand, you got very positive things like there are increasingly number of schools uh, using uh, games. Um, and um, I think a lot of the negativeness around uh, gaming in general uh, came, for instance, with some uh, school shootings in the US. Um, I, you know, I think it was Columbine uh, High School and, and that many years or decades ago. And, and at that point in time, it was set up that was a gamer. He used to play a lot of violent games. And, and at that point in time, the academic research focused on that. And it was a lot of negativeness. But if you look at the academic research in the past 10 years, it's I wouldn't say overwhelmingly, but it's a very large part of it is actually very positive uh, research. And so uh, we take a, a neutral view and then uh, we um, apply a positive score to the gaming companies that actually do positive contributions. Just to give you an idea, Tencent is limiting the number of hours you can play uh, if you're younger than 18. And they're actually doing it with facial recognition. So you can't cheat on that and things like that. Um, it's helping people, uh, it's helping parents into, into guidance and things like that. So these are things that add to a positive contribution in our point of view. Now, esports as well, in terms of energy efficiency, um, you know, I think the cloud gaming could um, uh, contribute to, to a better uh, energy efficiency, given that um, if you centralize where the processing power is, it's a bit like the same thing, like uh, every single company having their own data centers versus using AWS. I think if you use AWS versus 
using every single company their own data center, it will be much more energy efficient if you use AWS, if they all use AWS. So that's a bit the same thinking you could have with cloud gaming, but cloud gaming is just still also very nascent and um, not really um, sure if that will be a big, massive thing. Well, it could be, it could be a potential step in the direction, especially from a sustainability standpoint. Well, Kryn, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. Um, I was going to say, I'll let you back get back to playing games, but I realise that's not what you do. That's not what we were talking about. <laughs> My I'll wife get... doesn't allow me, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you get back to, to managing your fun. Thank you very much for okay, speaking to me. Thank you. Have a nice day.